The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. All right, so we are going to finish this year by finishing our message series called Finish Strong, and we're going to talk about finishing strong today. And in preparation for this message, I spent a lot of time reflecting and thinking back on 2017. I thought about some of the highs, some of the lows. I thought about some of the things that I would kind of mark up in the category of calling a success, and maybe some of the things that I would put in a different category. I would call those things failures or call them maybe struggles that I continue to have through 2017. And as I look at that year, I look and I see that I've learned some very specific things that have helped me to grow as a child of God, first and foremost, and secondly, as a husband, and thirdly, as a father, and then fourth, as a pastor. And as I begin to look at those things and examine those areas, I want to share seven specific things with you today that I've learned that I pray will help you to grow as you finish strong so we can continue to grow in Christ-likeness together. So my hope today is that you'll examine 2017 and that you can start this next year strong, but that you'll be able to finish even stronger. If you have your Bible with you, Joshua chapter 1, go ahead and flip over there, over in the Old Testament, Joshua chapter 1. Now, remember the story of Joshua is tied to Moses. If you guys remember, Moses had been chosen by God to lead the entire nation of Israel who had been enslaved by the Egyptians for 400 years. The, the job that God had given Moses was to lead this entire nation out of this slavery and this captivity, and they crossed over the Red Sea, they escaped all of Pharaoh's forces, and then they wandered around in the desert for 40 years. And so people were born during this time outside of this idea of previously being enslaved, but yet they were moving towards a goal, something they had been hearing about, something that they had been promised, a promised land that God had said he would give them. And as they're wandering around in the desert, all of a sudden something happens where Moses passes away, and now Joshua steps in, and he takes over the leadership role in leading this nation of people into this promised land. And that's where the book of Joshua kind of opens up. And let's read Joshua 1, verse 1, and we'll read through verse 9. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and the land of the Hittites to the great sea, and toward, go, toward the going down of the sun, all of this shall be your territory. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be very strong and courageous, being careful to do according to all of the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. 
Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. As I think about Joshua, I think this guy didn't really choose this leadership role. He didn't choose this time or place. And he was put in a position where he did not necessarily have an expertise in leading over a million people and all of their belongings into a land in which they had never been. It wasn't like he had this great resume and everyone knew that he was really good at it. This is a situation that he was thrust into. This is a situation that God had placed this man into to help to lead this, uh, this chosen people into this promised land. He didn't choose the timing. He, didn't, he didn't, definitely didn't choose the timing of Moses' death. He had to trust the Lord all through this entire journey. It wasn't something that he had done before, but God let Joshua know that his pathway to success over and over again would be in his dependence and his trust in the Lord. And as I think about the things that I've learned this past year, one of the first things that God has really spoke to my heart that he's helped me to grow in in 2017 was to move past the past. God told Joshua in verse 2, Moses is dead. That's a powerful verse of Scripture there because that's a transition taking place. Because some people probably really liked Moses. They liked the way Moses did things. They liked who Moses was. They may have had a personal relationship with Moses. They had garnered a great deal of trust with Moses. But God had to let Joshua know something he already knew. Because it wasn't a surprise that Moses was dead. That wasn't the first time Joshua was hearing this information. God was saying something very intentional to Joshua. He was saying, listen... Moses is dead. This is now your responsibility. All of the things that Moses did, the great things, the bad things, all of the failures, all the successes, those things have got us to this point. But listen, he's dead. Don't dwell in the past. you got to move past the past in order to keep moving forward. And I had to do that this year by forgiving others. I had to quit facilitating conversations around the past. Because it's so easy to do when maybe certain situations would get brought up and we just rehash and relive those things. Or perhaps when certain names would get brought up and they would generate certain feelings and emotions and thoughts that would uh, maybe arouse anger or frustration or maybe this sense of me needing to feel like I had to be right in a certain instance. And I had to grow in that this year. And another thing I had to do was I had to stop facilitating this idea of being right by quitting, and I'm still working on this, but I had to quit keeping score. Oh, I don't know. I'm just going to be real with you today. I hope that's okay. I, I had to quit keeping score. Certain instances, maybe even with my wife, maybe with certain others in my life where I would keep score, not maybe something I was always aware of, but definitely something that as I evaluate my life and as God brings these things up to me to say, hey, you need to deal with this, you need to work on this, something that kept coming up was this idea of maybe tallying up 
my score of all of the things that I had done, so when the right moment presented itself, I could therefore unroll the scroll and I could read off the things that I had done in order to make myself feel that I was positioned in an area of strength to where you should listen to me in this certain circumstance because look at all of the things that I had done or the things that I hadn't done. Man, we got to move past the past, even the good things. You know, it's not always the bad things. When we think about past, don't we always immediately think about bad stuff that happened like before now? And we think, man, we got to move past those things. What about the good things? Some people stay stuck celebrating yesterday's victories for years and years and years, and they never move past that. They get stuck in those things. And I'm not saying don't celebrate those things. And I'm not saying don't learn from those negative experiences or the positive experiences. Just don't allow yourself to get stuck. You know, it's kind of like the guy that maybe threw the winning touchdown in the football game back in high school, but he's in his 50s now, and he's still sharing that story like it happened yesterday. He's living in the past. Maybe there was a situation that proved that you actually were right in a situation, and maybe your spouse was wrong, or maybe your boss was wrong, or a coworker, or a friend, or a family member was wrong, and you happen to be right, and you look at that as something to hang on to as, oh, I was right, and I love the fact that I was right, and I'm going to celebrate that, and I'm going to live in the past, and every time I get an opportunity, I'm going to throw it in their face. Folks, for us to finish strong, we've got to move past the past whether it was something we were right in, whether it's something we saw a measure of success and victory in, or whether it was something that we saw failure and struggle in. Learn from those things. Celebrate those things when it's appropriate, but at the same time, you got to keep moving forward. That's why God told Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. There's still more to be done. There's still more life to be lived. There's still more that God has for you to do. Amen, somebody. You see, we can't get stuck in the past because it will rob us from truly moving forward into the great things that God wants us to move into. The temptation will be right there in front of you all of the time to have this feeling of, of, of wanting to be right and it will get you stuck and it will only feed your pride because being right is not the goal. The second thing is be willing to see yourself for who you truly are. This one is huge, and I actually am learning this and have learned this from my dad. My dad shared this with me a number of times, talking about his own struggles and the things that he went through. And one of the things he said over and over to me was, I had to finally get to a place where I saw myself for who I was. We can so many times only see the version of ourselves that we want to see when we look in the mirror, and we don't want to face the person that God is trying to show us so we can be broken over our sin, so we can be broken over it and repent, so we can see the areas of our lives that maybe that there's cracks in the armor and there's things that we need to allow God to heal things we need to forgive, things we need to move past. We don't see it oftentimes, but yet when God shows it to us, we can either, like James says, be that man that looks in the mirror, turns away and forgets what he looks like, or we can look intently in that mirror and say, God, what are you trying to show me? Help me to see what you're trying to show me about me. And thank God he doesn't dump all of this stuff on us at one time. Because as I look, God helps us to grow step by step by step by step. 
And He helps us to kind of peel back those layers to get to those areas in our lives that we so desperately need Him. And the, the areas where we haven't quite relinquished control or trust to. But yet He's trying to guide us and lead us to that place to where we can truly trust Him in every area of our life. But for us to do that, we have to be willing to see ourselves for who we truly are. Joshua 1 and 3, God wanted Joshua to see that He was with him just as He was with Moses. So He didn't leave him hopeless and say, Moses, my servant is dead. Figure it out, big boy. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. He said, but don't worry, just as I was with Moses so I will be with you. What a cool promise that is. How much would that just have comforted Joshua, given him courage and strength, not in his ability, not in how great of a guy Joshua was, not in his own personal strength, but yet in the fact that the way God was with Moses, let me think about how God was with Moses for a minute. He told me he was going to be with me just like he was with Moses. It was the same God leading us. It's the same God I need to trust in. It's the same God that's going to give me the strength and the courage to do the things that I need to do. The beauty of this statement that God gave to Joshua was basically him telling him that Moses was not a superhero. So many times we get this idea that when we see people in the faith who may have a strong walk with the Lord, we feel like they have something special that maybe we don't have. I used to feel this way a lot when I first got started in ministry. I would look at other pastors and I would think, wow, they're just so close to God. It's unreal how close these people are to God. I could never be the spiritual giant that this person is. I could never be as close to God as these people are. Wow, it just seems like all they have to do is just think a certain thought and God knows what they're thinking and He does it exactly the way that, 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 that they thought it was going to happen because they just know God so well. And it just seems like they have that direct connection. And those people I would put on this platform. And it would feel like those people had their lives together. They were the ones that had the perfect marriages. They were the ones who appeared to have the perfect children. You know, when they would smile, the little thing, the ding, the little shiny thing on their teeth. They seemed to have, you know, the perfect jobs and they loved their jobs and, and, and their, their just lives seemed to just be glowing with perfection. And that was so intimidating to me because I felt like I was never going to measure up to what those other people were. Or, or I thought I would never have the faith like those people would have to trust God through some of those trials that perhaps they had shared these stories of great victory. And I would always be put in a position where I would feel like a failure. I feel like I wasn't enough. I feel like I wasn't good enough. And here God so graciously tells Joshua, just as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. Yeah, Moses was called by God to be the leader. But Moses was not a superhero. Moses was just someone that was chosen by God, that he trusted in God. And all of the progress that was made under Moses' leadership was a result of Moses trusting God. It wasn't Moses, it was God. It was just Moses trusting God. Are you following me? And Joshua had the exact same thing. He had the same deal. He said, listen, I'm the same God. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, just as I was with Moses so am I going to be with you? So you don't have to assess your own skill set and go, how do I get God to like me more? How do I get God to do what I want Him to do? How do I measure up to Moses? No, it wasn't about measuring up to Moses. Moses wasn't the, the, the grading scale for Joshua. 
it was Joshua making a decision to trust in the Lord. Because God said, I want you in this position, and I want you to trust me. And then I want you to be strong and courageous. Because some of the things I'm going to ask you to do, it's going to require a really deep measure of trust. A really deep measure of faith. That if I say I'm going to do something, that you trust I'm going to do it. And, and Joshua, there's going to be times where it doesn't look like it's going to work out, but just trust me. There's going to be times where it would be easier to do it your way, just like Moses. God told Moses to just speak to the rock and water was going to flow, but Moses wanted to try it in his own strength, and he took his staff and he hit the rock. You see, he said, there's going to be opportunity for you to blow it, just like Moses did, where you're going to want to try it in your own strength. You're going to want to do it your way, but why don't you just trust in me? Just like I was with Moses, so will I be with you. When you see yourself for who you truly are, you see how great your need for God is. Let me say that again. When you see yourself for who you truly are, you will see how great your need for God is. And you'll see it's not all about you. It's not all about you. It's not about me being great. It's not about you being great. It's about God being awesome and us needing Him a whole, whole lot. And if we can learn that, it'll put our heart in a different position when it comes to finishing strong. It doesn't become about me trying to be this certain type of person that I feel that I have to be to measure up and be accepted. No, it becomes about me trusting God, doing things His way, and leaning into Him and trusting in Him just as I was with Moses. So will I be with you. <clears throat> I learned this a lot this year when it came to seeing myself for who I was and my selfish nature in my marriage and with my children specifically, God really worked on my heart and opened my eyes to seeing my own selfishness, to seeing things that I needed to see so it would cause me to deepen my dependence in God. And so it would seem, man, you know, how do I love my wife in a Christ-like manner in this circumstance or that circumstance? Hey, it's easy to love your spouse as Christ loved the church when, you know, she's doing everything you want her to do. It's easy to be the type of parent that's a godly example and a godly parent when your children are just doing everything you want them to do. But how many of you know it doesn't always work out that way? Right? Have you figured that one out? Well, if you figure that one out, then you know that it takes God in every one of those circumstances moving in my life. Instead of me asking God to change other people, it has now helped me to see myself as saying, God, how can I love people through this? How can I be Christ-like in this situation? What is my role here? But for me to do that, I have to see myself for who I truly am. I have to deepen my trust and dependence in God and trust that He is going to be with me and give me the strength, the wisdom, the direction to do what is right. You have to be willing to look in the mirror and see your own sin without blaming other people, without making excuses. That's kind of our default. We always want to blame other people. We want to point fingers. We want to make excuses for why I do this or why I don't do this. Well, if I just had more time, well, if I had some more help, if I had some more money, if I had more of this, or you know, if I had you know, less distractions, if I had more availability, whatever the case is, and we're going to make all these excuses for why we're caught in the cycles of sin and selfishness that we're caught in. But if we see ourselves for how we truly are, if we really look in that and allow God to show us that, it should cause a brokenness and repentance that leads us to truly trusting in the Lord with all of our heart and not leaning in our own understanding. The third thing is that when you ask for forgiveness, 
change your behavior. <laughs> Don't ask forgiveness of someone and then continue the same behavior. If you recognize you have caused damage or you have done something wrong, commit to changing the behavior. Don't go announcing to everyone, Derek, you're changing your behavior. Just do it. Just do it. Don't go announce it to everyone. Don't feel this need to have to just tell your spouse, hey, things are going to be different. I'm going to start doing this and this and this. I'm going to stop doing it. Just do it. Just do it. Don't go out seeking that affirmation immediately and, and go out looking for that pat on the back for the first two or three times you did the right thing you knew you should have been doing all along. Hello, somebody. When you ask for forgiveness, change your behavior. I used to get stuck in this really bad pattern, and I'm finding myself doing it less and less as I grow and as uh, God helps me to mature and become more Christ-like. And this bad pattern that I would find myself in is when I would do something wrong, whether it was an oversight on my part or it was a mistake that I would made, whether intentionally or unintentionally, I would profusely apologize, like profusely, over and over again, until I felt I had apologized to the individual or individuals enough that I had given myself permission to finally be okay, that the relationship was still okay, that I was still accepted in their eyes, you know, and that we're still good, even though I may have made a mistake. I would just profusely apologize until I felt that release. And it was this awful habit. And when people would not give me what I was looking for when I would apologize, oh, it would eat me up. I would stew over it at night. I would just toss and turn in bed, knots in my stomach, whole nine yards. It just ate me up. I just felt like I had failed. I felt like this person's going to hate my guts for the rest of my life. You know what I found out is that most of the time, people aren't wanting you to apologize profusely. The people that really love you and care about you, when you ask for forgiveness and you apologize to someone, they're really just wanting you to change the behavior. <laughs> That's really what they're ultimately wanting. The people that care about you aren't going to break relationship with you most of the time over the things that you do, but they don't want you to just profusely apologize. They want you to just simply change the behavior. And that's what I, something that as I look back on 2017, that's definitely an area that I feel that God has caused change in me uh, and helped me to grow in, to really depend on God and to really trust in Him more and find my confidence and my security from Him and Him alone. Don't expect rewards from everyone and accolades for changing behavior. Don't expect everyone to notice it or even acknowledge it. Listen to me. Do it because it's right. I hope you write that down. Do it because it's right. Because the right thing, guess what? It's still the right thing. Amen? The fourth thing, personally invest in others' potential and growth. Personally invest in others' potential and growth. And maybe we could even add this to that. Not only personally invest in others' potential and growth, but intentionally invest in others' potential and growth. Do it intentionally. Do it personally and do it intentionally. Don't just think, listen to me, don't think that you just hanging out with certain people is investing in them. That's a part of it, yes. But it has to go deeper than just hanging out. 
be personally and intentionally investing in other people's potential and growth. God told Joshua to be strong and courageous because he was going to lead, instruct, and inspire an entire nation to trust God for what at times would seem like the impossible. This had to take a strong investment in other people to help them to see what they had not been able to see before. Because one of the first tasks that they come upon in Joshua's leadership was they come up to the Jordan River. Well, this looks familiar to some of the people who are in the nation of Israel. They've either heard stories or they were there when it happened. And they remember the Red Sea and they remember Pharaoh's army was chasing them. And they remember how God used Moses to take the staff and then the waters parted and they crossed on dry ground. That was a little bit more of a high-pressure situation, though. Because Pharaoh's armies were chasing the people at that time, and they were coming. And, and this wasn't necessarily an army chasing them. It's just a big obstacle in the way, and they're looking at the Jordan River. And Joshua has to go and say, God, what do I do about this? And I love that he sought God on this thing, and he didn't just do what Moses did. He instead sought after God, and it happened a different way. God said, tell the priest who have the Ark of the Covenant to go stand in the middle of the Jordan River, and then the water all rolled up to one side. And as long as the priest stood on the, the, the ground, the bank of the, of the river there, that the people of Israel crossed over on dry ground. Then immediately after that, they see that there's a city called Jericho. And this city was a big fortified city, had huge walls all the way around it. And God said, you're going to take the city. And they said, nobody's ever taken this city before because they have these monster walls and no one would dare try to attack this huge powerhouse of a city. And God said, I want you to go and march around this city. And they're like, march, you want us to like carry some weapons? Or, you know, you're going to show us how to make some bombs or something, you know, blow this thing up. He said, no, nope, just go and march around and just don't say anything. Just go walk around the city. That's the craziest plan. But the craziest plans take a high degree of trust, do they not? And what God is trying to establish with his people is he's trying to say, guys, trust me. I know it sounds weird, but trust me. Trust me. Just obey me and trust me. And Joshua had to invest in people to help them to see that. He had to invest in people, and they had to see he was investing in his relationship with the Lord, and that he wasn't just, you know, maybe he just didn't eat like some bad hummus that night, you know, and, and, and he, has a, he had like a harebrained idea. They had to have confidence in him, and this took an investment. I've learned a lot this year to empower people around me based off of their strengths and to trust them more. It doesn't take a lot to try to do everything yourself. It just doesn't. It doesn't take a lot of trust in other people to try to do everything yourself. Because you think, well, no one can do this as good as me. No one cares about it as much as I do. No one is going to put the effort forward that I would. But if we never invest in other people's potential, if we never invest in them to help them grow, if we never give people opportunity and we're always holding everything close to the chest, that doesn't take a lot of trust. That really doesn't even take a lot of faith. It's us trusting in ourselves. And you know what it does to you when you live like that? And you don't empower and invest in other people's potential and growth? It wears you out and you become the ceiling to your own growth. You become the ceiling to other people's growth. You become the ceiling to your family's growth. 
You become the ceiling because you're only going to allow people to go as far as what you can do on your own. And you never trust others to come alongside you. You never release things to them. You never invest in them to set them up to succeed and to help them to be successful. Fear keeps everything close to the chest. Fear keeps everything close to the chest. And the Bible says God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. That means God doesn't want you living this life feeling like you have to control everything and keep everything close to the chest. He wants us to invest intentionally and personally in other people so that they can achieve their God-given potential and growth, and we can actually invest and empower them to do more. We've got to let go of this fear. This fear of what's going to happen if I release control. We, what, if I, what if they mess up? What if this doesn't go so well? We have to empower and trust other people. And empowering and investing takes courage. Trusting other people takes courage, does it not? It takes courage. And God told Joshua over and over again, be strong and courageous. There was a time during Moses' leadership where Moses couldn't do it all. And thank God that his father-in-law cared enough to come to him and said, Moses, you can't do all of this. You have to create some sort of system of empowering other people to make decisions, empowering other people to be able to do more. I don't know what that looks like in your family, but maybe you have taken all the responsibility on of doing everything because you're afraid of letting things go, or maybe that was the way you were brought up or raised up, and everything's close to the chest. You need to invest in other people, equip them, empower them to be able to come alongside you. It's for their benefit, and it's going to help you. It's going to help your family move forward. If you're in business, you realize this. You're going to become the lid to your organization if you continually try to just do everything on your own. And maybe if you get all of those balls juggling in the air just right, maybe you'll be par at best. But you'll never move forward. You'll never grow. I had a guy tell me this this year. I, uh, I was in a peer-to-peer advisory group with different leaders of nonprofits, Christian nonprofits. We met in Milwaukee once a month. Pastor Andy and I will go down there. And a guy told me this when I was kind of sharing my frustrations with him about how busy I felt that I was. He told me, he said, Derek, he said, I can only hold one ball in each hand. I was like, okay. <laughs> That's great. He said, I can only hold one ball in each hand. He said, if you throw me a third one, he said, I have to juggle. He said, if you throw me another one, I'm juggling. He said, the more balls you throw me, he said, the less I'm actually touching each thing. He said, and if I'm juggling, I'm not holding on to anything at all. And he said, I can only hold one ball in each hand. And that's all he said. And then he just dropped the mic. And And here, what he was telling me is that you're trying to do everything. You're trying to do all these different things, and you found yourself depleted and frustrated. Why instead not focus and help other people and empower them and you focus on the things you need to focus on. So what have you been touching in your life that you need to let go of, that God is requiring that you let go of? Why do you feel everything has to be your way all the time? And I'm asking these questions that God has had me look in the mirror and ask, that I've had to take an honest inventory. Why do I feel that things have to be my way all the time? I need to invest in others by acknowledging their gifts, helping them to grow. Instead of asking, you know, why can I not trust the diversity in other people? 
Yeah, it may not be the way I would necessarily do something 100%, but at the same time, trust takes courage. That leads us to number five. Slow down and think things through. God has taught me this in a huge way this year. God told Joshua to meditate on the law. He said, take this book of the law, and I want you to meditate on it day and night. Just think on it. Because it's going to guide you. It's going to lead you. It's going to show you more of who God is. God has taught me this in a huge way this year. To meditate. To slow down. To think on things. Because that's really all meditation is. is thinking on something over and over and over again. To slow down. To think. To deepen trust. To listen to what God is truly saying. And not let your emotions, not let your excitement, not let your passion, not let your frustration, not let your fear be in the driver's seat when it comes to making decisions. Because when those things are in the driver's seat, we'll often make hasty, poor decisions. But to slow down and to think things through, to really meditate on the Word of God, to think about what would God have me do, to seek counsel from other people, to slow down, to deepen trust, to listen to what God is saying. I have learned this from some key individuals that God has placed in my life, that less is more. That less is more. I know we just got through with Christmas, and you're like, what? Less is more? What do you mean? I was too busy counting the gifts under the tree about who got the most and who didn't. That was a joke. You can laugh at that if you want to. You see, I cannot do everything. And here's the beauty of it. God isn't asking me to do everything. That's going to be like a weight off somebody's shoulders. If you will receive that word this morning, listen to me. You cannot do everything, but God is not asking you to do everything. God didn't say, hey Joshua, good luck buddy, it's all on you. God told Joshua the exact opposite. He said, no, don't worry about Moses, he's dead. <laughs> Moses is dead, but just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Meditate on the law. Think on it. It's going to lead you and guide you, okay? I'm going to be with you. Just slow down. Exhale for a moment. Think this thing through. Deepen your trust in me. Invest in empowering other people. Begin to be strong and courageous at every turn. You have to create margin to think. That's something I've learned. I have to create margin to think. I used to feel like if I'm not doing something that I'm wasting time. Like I always have to be doing something. I need to be writing something, uh, reading something. I always need to be having a conversation, a meeting, got to be busy, got to be doing something, moving something here. I don't know what to do sometimes. I'm the type of person that I'm such a, a nervous worker, and I always feel that I have to be doing something, that if there's quiet time, I'll turn on music, or I'll get up and walk around. And the other day, I had been cleaning my house, putting away Christmas decorations. I know I, I went full-blown Grinch already. I don't know if you've already gone full-blown Grinch or not, but I put it all away yesterday. felt like I cleansed my soul. <clears throat> but, but I put it all away, and I cleaned everything up, vacuumed, and then it was done. But I was still pacing around, like, 
I'm this pillow. I just arranged it there. It looks better there. Okay. I'm walking around like, what am I doing? Slow down. Chill out, man. Just slow down and create margin to think. You have to create that margin to where you just give yourself some time to think. Because Joshua, God wanted him to meditate, to think on the Word of God, to just think things through, to trust in Him, to deepen that relationship with Him. The sixth thing that I learned is don't get weary in well-doing. Starting strong is easier than finishing strong. We can all work really hard at making a great startup plan. And I love startup plans. That's one of my favorite activities is developing startup plans. Absolutely love it. I, enjoy, I don't care what it is. I, I don't care what you want to develop. If you want to build a startup plan, I'm your guy. I will help you do it. We can talk about it. I get energized when it comes to startup plans. But finishing strong is a whole other idea. That's a whole different skill set that we need to grow in, that we need to learn, that we need to have other people come alongside us who can help us through the journey, especially those of us that are wired like me that really enjoy that first piece of it. See, you will run into challenges. There will be days when you don't feel like going to the gym. There will be days when you don't feel like giving your best. There will be days when you don't feel like getting the family ready and coming to church. There's going to be days where you don't feel like serving. There's going to be days when you don't feel like sticking to a budget. There's going to be days when you don't want to date your spouse. There's going to be lots of days when you don't want to eat right. There's going to be days when you don't want to spend time in the Bible because there's going to be something else that's going to be grabbing for your attention. There's going to be days where you don't feel like you have time to pray or you haven't made it a priority. But listen, these are the things we know we should do and you will be challenged. You will be challenged. You can have the best foolproof startup plan that there is, but there will be a challenge come along the way. If you commit to do something, I don't care what it is. There is going to be a challenge. What are you going to do when the challenge comes up? And there's no magic pill. There's no magic formula. It's just good old-fashioned grit and determination to keep on pressing forward when you don't feel like it. That's where so many of us lose hope. That's where we get discouraged. But God told Joshua over and over again, be strong and courageous. Trust that I'm with you. Trust that doing the right thing matters. Trust, even though you may not see the results you want to see right now. Even though you may not have the instantaneous feeling of completion that maybe you'll have later. Maybe you don't have the instantaneous feeling of victory. Maybe you feel like you're going backwards. But listen, keep moving forward. Don't get weary in well-doing. Do the right thing because it's the right thing, because it's what God is calling you to do, because you are going to commit to finishing stronger than you start. That's why the seventh thing is start strong, but finish stronger. I want to go to the end of the book of Joshua as we wrap up this morning. Joshua Chapter 24, let's look at how Joshua finished. Joshua 24, before we read that, it's, it, it's just important to note, there had been battles, there had been wins and losses, there had been great victories, there had been miracles that God had given to the people of Israel. 
there had been amazing things done along this whole journey. So between chapter 1 and chapter 24, there's a lot that they can look back on and gain perspective and see the hand of God, much like your life and my life. When we go through a season that is challenging, that's difficult, that requires a, a deep deal of trust in God to even get through some of the tough stuff. When you come out on the other end and you're in a place of victory, you can look back and you can say, wow, I saw God there, 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 but it sure didn't feel like He was there sometimes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You may not always feel it. You may not always feel like doing the right thing is moving you in the right direction. You may, not, you may feel alone sometimes in that, but know you can trust. Just like I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with you. And here is Joshua looking back from the vantage point of the perspective of all of the things they had been through. And this is what he has to say. Joshua 24 and verse 1. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and he summoned the elders the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river, and I led him through the land of Canaan. And I made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob... And his children went to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron. And I plagued Egypt, what I did in the midst of it. And afterwards I brought you out. Verse 6. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried out to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come up, come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived on the other side of the Jordan River. They fought with you and I gave them into your hand. You took possession of their land and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And he sent you and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you. So I delivered you out of his hand. And then you went over to the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the leaders of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I gave them all into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was, by your sword, it was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land which you had not labored. And I gave you cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers that they served on the other side of the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, Joshua, he had a strong start, but he made a commitment through being strong and courageous and trusting the Lord to finish even stronger. And he reminded the people of all they pressed through. He reminded them of all of the victories. He reminded them of all of the, of the, the struggles that they would remember that God led them to overcome. And as you look back on 2017... 
and you see what God has done in this year and in your life, you need to stop and thank Him for it. I, I know that some of you may have had a pretty rough year because some of those challenges are just big highlights in your mind. But God has been working on your behalf this whole time. Will you see what God has been trying to get you to see? So you can do what God has been requiring you to do. So you can start strong, so you can finish stronger, so you can see the hand of God in the midst of all of it, that He hasn't left you, that just as He was with Moses, that as just as He was with Joshua, so He is with each and every one of you. It wasn't that Joshua was a superhero. It wasn't that Moses was a superhero. It's not that Pastor Derek has some divine connection with God that no one else can have. No. He cares about every one of us the same. Amen, somebody? Oh, you've got to believe that. He cares about each one of us the same. He is for His glory, and He wants to use you for His glory. And He wants to do things in you and through you for His glory, for His kingdom. But that's going to require us to trust in Him even more. How have you finished stronger this year? perhaps, than you started. What are you going to do to start strong and finish stronger in 2018? Be strong and courageous to do what God has called you to do. Be strong and courageous to grow in Christ-likeness in 2018. Commit and push through to press through. You see, dependence on Christ alone challenges and, and, and changes the orientation of our hearts and puts us in a position to be able to finish strong. Because Christ is the one that enables us to go through the valleys and, and on the mountaintops. Because we know Jesus is worth everything. Folks, we know that our lives are just a vapor. And they should be lived with greater purpose. A purpose to help others see, hear, and experience the message of the gospel. That God would be glorified as our trust in Him deepens. In 2018, let's start strong and let's finish even stronger for the glory of God. Amen? Amen? God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to share this word as we wrap up this year here at church. We're so grateful for what you've done in our congregation and in the lives of these families. And I pray that it would only continue to grow and increase, Father. Even those who may be in the midst of struggle, even those who may can only see the struggle that's in front of them right now and the challenge that's in front of them right now. God, I pray you open their eyes to see you in the middle of all of it. And so the struggle wouldn't get glorified, but you would get glorified. That you would, that you would just show them how worthy of trust you are in the middle of this pain, in the middle of this heartache, in the middle of this disappointment. I pray, God, that you would encourage them and strengthen them and that you would help them to begin to move in the direction, God, of starting strong so they can continue, Lord, on this journey to finish strong. Just as the Apostle Paul said that I have finished the race, I fought this good fight. And I pray you help us to do the same, to press through discouragement, to make the commitment to continue to move forward, to empower other people, to trust other people, to invest intentionally in other people, because we can't do this alone, Lord. And you have caused us to be surrounded by others Father, that you want to use in our lives as well. Help us to recognize those opportunities. Help us to see how much eternity matters in 2018 so we can live our lives on purpose for a greater purpose. Help us to walk in forgiveness from the past 
to remove ourselves from constantly dwelling on those things that would be a hindrance from us moving forward. I pray you move in us and through us in a great way, Lord, as we wrap up this year and begin a new one. And I pray, Lord, for your blessings and for your guidance and for your peace. And I pray, Father, that you would restore joy to people who have lost their sense of joy. I pray you restore purpose to people who have lost sense of purpose. I pray that you restore hope to people who have lost hope. And I pray you do a great work in hearts and lives in this place and in these families here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.